This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player. This is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all-time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Mike Missanelli Podcast. This is episode 25, and we're doing this on Monday, November 21st. Why on a Monday? We changed the schedule up a little bit. We are now going to do our podcast on Monday to get a fresher reaction of Eagles Sundays, whether it's Sunday day, Sunday night. If it's a Monday night game, obviously, we'll go into Tuesday. But we are now talking about the Eagles winning the game 17-16, to a game that looked like they were going to lose. And uh, if you followed through this game, there, there was some panic in the fan base, uh, and they wound up pulling it out. Now, why did they wind up pulling it out? Well, let's talk about the Hurts factor. Because the Eagles' offense is pretty much unsettled and discombobulated for, for much of the game until it got to the fourth quarter and they decided to put the ball in their quarterback's hands. His numbers for the day, 16 of 26, or excuse me, uh, 16 rushes for 86 yards, 18 of 25 for 190. That's 107.1 quarterback rating. All right, so they were down, as we all know, 13 to 3 going into the fourth quarter. What was the significance of that? Believe it or not, I mean, this stat is mind-boggling. That was the first time the Eagles have come back and won a game when trailing by 10 points or more entering the fourth quarter since the Miracle of the Meadowlands Part 2. 12 seasons ago, 2012, December 19th, the Eagles trailing with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter by 21 points, and you remember what happened. Four unanswered TDs in seven minutes and 28 seconds, including the game-winning punt return by who? Deshaun Jackson as time expires, where he goes across the goal line in kind of a horizontal way. All right, So that's what they were up against going into the fourth quarter. And, and, and this game, it was funny because I'm, I was tweeting live as we were sitting there watching the Eagles game in our little green room for the Jacob Media postgame show, Seth Joyner, Derek Gunn, David Caney. I'm going, well, it's a good thing that the Colts aren't a very good team here or a mediocre team because they had so many chances to put this game away. And we'll, we'll go over the chances they squandered to put the game away. But let's get to the, to the nitty-gritty here on how the Eagles won this game. Here's the trigger point. Chase McLaughlin, the, kickers, uh, the, the Colts kicker, pushed the 50-yard field goal wide right. The Eagles took over at their own 40. Third quarter expires, right? So here's how we go into the fourth quarter. Hurts rushes for three. He sets up the third and one. He sneaks for the first down. But uh, there's an offsides penalty on the Colts. Gives the Eagles a first down. One of many mistakes the Colts would make uh, to turn a victory into a defeat for them. And, and that's what bad and mediocre teams do. They, they give you that opportunity. They don't put a game away, and they let you hang around. The Eagles being a better team, hung around, got the crucial plays. Hurts scrambles for 23 yards to get the Indianapolis 22. A, a deep right pass is incomplete, but then 
Watkins from the slot, cross pattern, bang, on the money. He walks in for a TD. Now, that was only five plays and only 50 yards on the drive. But suddenly, here they are now in striking distance. That was a major touchdown to bring him into the fold. And we'll get to, to, to look at the closer at the finish in a couple of minutes. Let's look at how the Colts squandered this game, a chance to put this game away. Hey, listen, I know it's all, it's all gooey in Indianapolis right now. Hero Jeff Saturday is the head coach. They won last week. They think they got Matt Ryan back as a starter. He's going to make some clutch plays for you. So let, let's go over how they handed uh, some opportunities to the Eagles. First one, uh, let's go to the third quarter. Hurts, strip-sacked by Ngakwe. Culture covers the Eagles 22. Good team cash is that, right? Paris Campbell on a third down and at the 11-yard line drops. Ball goes right through his hands on third down. So they have to settle for three. A major gift for the Eagles. I wrote down in my little pad, Eagles dodged a bullet. They certainly did. So they get the field goal, and it's 13-3. to Uh, Okay, now the Eagles go for it on fourth and 10. This is one of Nick Sirianni's uh, lackluster strategical games, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, he goes for it on fourth and 10. It would have been a 56 or 57-yard field goal indoors. Now, to me, that's worth a shot rather than going for it on fourth and 10. So what happens on fourth and 10? He gets chased out of bounds, technically a sack for minus eight. The Colts take over at their own 46. Good team takes that momentum and does something with it, right? No. The Colts go three and out there. That's opportunity two they squander. Number three, the Eagles go three and out after being pinned down by a good punt, pinned down at the five-yard line. Colts get the ball back on a punt at their own 45. What happens? They miss a 50-yard field goal. McLaughlin pushes it right. Opportunity number three squandered. Number four, four thirty-seven left in the game. First and goal at the five-yard line the Colts have. They go, no gain, incomplete pass. They get sacked. Matt Ryan gets sacked by Hassan Reddick. Now, last week, we were bitching and moaning about the lack of a face mask penalty that was called on Dallas Goddard. Well, they missed another one. And my, my, my response to people who always blame officials is, you know what? They're going to miss calls. It's always going to even out. And so there was the even up. They missed the face mask. They get the sack. So the Colts now have to settle for a field goal to only make it 16 to 10. They score a touchdown there. And they're certainly close enough to score a touchdown. The game is probably out of reach. They give them another opportunity. Mediocre teams do that. And finally, number five, where they hand the Eagles a gift. Third and two. The Eagles call a ridiculous play on third and two, a rollout where it looks like he's trying to go deep. Miles Sanders breaks the pattern, goes long. Zaire Franklin loses him and plows into him, tackles him for the most ridiculous pass interference penalty I've seen in a long time. That's a penalty worth 39 yards, and it sets up the Eagles for a great opportunity to score. So the other team kind of has to help you. When, when you're not playing your best, you always have to count on a, a mediocre team to give you opportunities. The Eagles got the opportunity. They took advantage of it. Okay, so so here we go. They're the big swing in this game. You know, you look at this game, and you, there was a really big swing in the game. They they uh, It was consecutive turnovers. So the first one is Jonathan Taylor. Very good back. And, and you know, when, when running backs try to get extra yards, you can't blame them. But so he's churning away, churning away. Meanwhile, you're churning away. These guys are clawing at the ball, and bang. They get the fumble. Uh, the Eagles get it back, and then A.J. gets stripped, and the Colts get it at their own 34. So they convert on a third and 11, which is what, you know, last week the Eagles had a really hard time stopping third downs, and this week they were they were a lot better on that. Um, last week they were 12 for 21. They gave up 12 first downs to the commanders, 21 opportunities. This week the Colts only 5 of 15. But they, they, they convert that third and 11 there on a pass in the middle to Alec Pierce. And uh, 
Darius Slay, who did not have a great game, and I, you know, this two straight games that he didn't hasn't really played that well. He was trailing Pierce on that play. Plus, there was the defensive holding on Hargrave, and and then on third and three, Paris Campbell makes amends. He beats Josiah Scott in the slot, thirty-two yards, first and goal. But again, as we mentioned before, that fizzled as Ryan got sacked uh, on third down. Um, all right, so um, the observations that I have here. Let's start out with Sue and Lindell Joseph, the factor of those two guys. Off the street, they joined the team. So there's a lot of people thinking, well, you know, how much can we really expect from those guys? They they were on the street. And uh, they got more out of them than I thought. Joseph played 26 snaps, was very effective, plug in the run. He had four tackles. and, uh, And Sue had 17 snaps and a sack. Meanwhile, Fletcher Cox, see, Fletcher Cox seemed to be out of that lineup early in that game. Uh, now, he wound up playing 48 snaps, but early in the game, they got Joseph and Sue in the game, and, and Cox is out of the game. Uh, so um, the rotation now is a little more solid, even though it looks like Marlon Tuiopolopoto has a torn meniscus and probably be out for the season. So that was very valuable. They got Joseph and Sue in there. Now, we'll see. First game, adrenaline. Um, you know, the, the longer they play, the more the lack of shape may come into play. But for the first game, it was pretty refreshing that those guys came in and did their job. Here's what the Eagles did after the first drive. First drive, the Colts rip them apart. Go right down the field. Here comes Jonathan Taylor, and we're going, oh, boy, the, the same thing is happening all over again. But they figured out something. Now, I'll give Jonathan Gannon some credit. And, and it's really a, a, a clear uh, disparity uh, when the Eagles are playing a four-man front and, and a five-man front. In five-man fronts, they were able to stop the run. Extra linebacker lineman down there. The, the, the linebackers look quicker to the ball with the five-man front because it caused more mayhem. There were, there were fewer gaps, and I thought linebackers could fill a little more. With the four-man in front, the Colts' lies let up. They, they realized they could run the ball against the four-man front. So, um, now, here's the, the thing with a five-man front. You're always worried, and this is what Gannon is worried about and why he likes to just go with a four-man front. Five-man front, a good quarterback is back there. You got one less guy back there. A good quarterback may be able to chop you up a little more. guy like Matt Ryan at this stage of his career wasn't able to chop him up. He doesn't have great weapons to boot. Uh, so that was safe against the Colts in that situation. Can you do that next week? against Aaron Rodgers will be really interesting to see. Okay. Um, also, they unleashed Hurts uh, in an empty backfield in the fourth quarter. The RPOs yeah. were being stopped. Now, that's what they do. They like to do it with Hurts. The running game is an RPO situation. But when they had an empty backfield and, and they went wide with wide receivers, um, most defenses are geared up to stop the pass. And, and they should be able to uh, stop the pass in an empty backfield. Um, so with Hertz, the only guy that can be accountable for him in that kind of a situation is is a spy, which nobody employs anymore, or a safety who's already 20 yards down the field. So, um, the only question is, do you want your quarterback running the ball 16 times a game? But with an empty backfield, it creates a lot of gaps for him to run the football. And that's what they did in this game. Uh, all right, let's talk about Nick Sirianni now. Um, it wasn't his greatest game, and we're going to, in a second, go over all this stuff. Uh, a very emotional guy being back in Indy, coached there for a long time. His mentor was Frank Reich, who got shown the gate by the Colts a couple weeks ago in favor of Jeff Saturday. And Sirianni uh, is on record as saying that he got a dirty deal, his ex-coach. So he, he was very hurt and talked about that after the game with tears in his eyes, actually. Tears in his eyes, he was coming off the field. He, he went like kind of like very emotional uh, with Eagle fans on the sidelines after the game, going back and forth and high-fiving. And, 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 uh, so that, this game meant a lot to this guy. Um, my question is this. Coming back to Indy, with that Frank Reich emotional uh, baggage, did that throw his focus off in this game? Let's look at the things that, uh, that Sirianni did here. Um, let's look at the play. First of all, there was the high snap to Kelsey. They got to the two-yard line. The high snap by Kelsey uh, screwed up the play. It set him back to the 10. They got to the four. 
and they had a, a fourth and goal right there. So it was fourth and goal at the four. I don't know what the analytics say on that. Uh, it would seem that uh, with Sirianni being as aggressive as he's been, that they would actually go for that there. Maybe the analytics said the field goal was the better play there, but uh, they took the field goal. And, and that kind of went against the grain of how aggressive they've been. Last series of the first half, they didn't use a timeout on the Colts. They had three in the bag. And I'm wondering why he wouldn't choose to stop the clock, thinking he could stop the Colts and get one last shot to score some points before halftime. Um, he, he said after the game that he didn't think they were moving the ball that way and just wanted to go into halftime. Mm. That's two situations where the normally aggressive Sirianni was not very aggressive. <coughs> Number three, he goes forward on fourth and 10, which we mentioned before, instead of attempting a long field goal, 56, 57 yards. Well, you know, I, are you going to make, you going to convert on fourth and 10? I, I don't know. It's like, well, it's, to me, that's a hard play to convert. You have probably a better chance that Elliott hits that field goal than you converting fourth and 10. So I didn't really like that play. He also let the third quarter run out. Now I'm watching the game with Seth Joyner and I'm going, and he's saying the same thing. Why would they not get, try to get an extra play in there? Like, why would you just let that clock run out there? So I don't know if that was great thinking. Now, again, they wound up winning the game. Uh, so there you go. Uh, he also burned a timeout before a field goal uh, that the Colts uh, made to make it 16-10. to 10. Uh, I didn't understand why he, he did that. Um, was he trying to ice the kicker? Like, I, I, do we still do that? Icing the kicker? He wasted a timeout. I mean, this is... This is the, the you know the, the latter part of the game where you need your timeouts. And then, so inside the two-minute warning, if you recall, the Eagles had a fourth and two. They line up in a quarterback sneak formation, hoping to get the Colts to jump off sides. Now, I, I don't know. I've watched a lot of NFL games. I, I don't think I've seen an NFL team stupid enough to jump on fourth and two. Maybe fourth and one when you're geared up to, to run a quarterback sneak. Did the Colts really think that they were going to run a quarterback sneak at fourth and two there? I, I thought that, that that was Sirianni thinking the Colts were more stupid than they really were, uh, and they, they they stayed, and so now he had to take a timeout there. Now he takes the timeout. I, I need to say this, Mike. I was losing my mind on that. <laughs> this is producer Darren chiming in because he, could, he couldn't stand it anymore. I, and Sirianni... Pissed me off yesterday, up and down the game. I thought it was, with the exception of last week, maybe his worst coaching job. I was losing my mind. There's not, there's, there isn't a defensive front at the high school level they were going to fool at that point. They just, I mean, there was, it was just glaring mistake after glaring mistake, but that one set me off big time. Yeah, I, I really didn't understand the formation. I thought it was silly to think they were going to jump offside because it wasn't a quarterback sneak situation. Fourth and one is. It wasn't a quarterback right. It was victory formation. It was going to kneel on. Yeah, for, yeah, it was kind of a victory formation. Uh, fourth and two, uh, they're not going to they're not going to sneak it. So okay, but uh, so they they in any event they they do get the timeout and uh, that's when they they run the play that that scores the touchdown that wins it. It was a well designed play again. Empty backfield, quarterback draw, bang. Uh, wins the game for him, uh, and, and so in any event, they are now nine and one, uh, and that's still uh, a, a premier record uh, in in the conference. And we look around the conference now, and uh, the Minnesota Vikings fell on their on their fat face against the Dallas Cowboys. So, uh, uh, but the Cowboys did make a major statement with that. They went at forty to three. That's a major statement. So the Cowboys are now seven and three. The Eagles are nine and one, and of course, the New York Giants, as I've predicted on almost every podcast, uh, are frauds. Okay, and, and, and they lose. Uh, here's the thing about the Giants, and I know there's a lot of Giant fans amongst us, and they're all excited. Giants can't win unless they're ahead. The Giants have to be ahead in almost every game because they're they're a running team, and and for them to come behind, you're going to rely on, on on that quarterback to beat somebody. I, you know. That's why the Giants are flawed. So I, I've never really taken the Giants that seriously. 
and, and they should. I haven't either. I want to make one point, though, on that quarterback uh-huh. and, and, and the head coach. Brian Dable's their head coach, okay? As everybody knows, he came from Buffalo, and he is largely credited for the uh, rather quick rise in Josh Allen's technique, his his playmaking ability. I mean, he really, uh, you know, he's, he's largely responsible for it. He has left Buffalo, as we know. Allen has, as the season has gone on, every week he seems to play a little bit worse. And Daniel Jones is now playing. I mean, not that he had a you know a lot to base it on, but he's playing a lot better this year. I mean, Dable deserves Dable deserves a lot of credit for that kid. He's a smart coach. I don't think Jones is the guy, but I think the coaching staff there is very good. Yeah, I keep, listen, I keep hearing this nonsense. Dable this, Daniel Jones is approved. I mean, stop it. I mean, just stop with it. I agree with that. Stop with the Giants. They, they don't have enough weapons for Daniel Jones to beat anybody unless Saquon Barkley is dominating the game with the run. So I don't think that they're a threat. All right? Let's dispose of this Giants hype. Uh, the Cowboys in 7-3. and three. Uh, are viable, and so we'll see them in a little bit. It's, you know, it's a long time coming before we see the Cowboys. So let's let's look now at at what's the, what's up. Uh, the Packers. Uh, I you know, listen. I don't I don't know what to think about the Packers other than it, when Reggie Cobb at seventy five years old is the leading receiver, and I I know Christian Watson is now the the flavor of the month. Uh, but they're just not consistent enough. And, and Aaron Rodgers, the first time in a really long time, it has missed some some receivers in the middle of the field, which I've never seen before. So I have no idea what, what they are. Maybe, you know, they, 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 the wind catches a sail for the Packers on a primetime game, and they play a lot better than they, they played. The, the, the Eagles are a six-and-a-half-point, seven-point favorite right now in that game at home. So – uh, I, I, I'm not even thinking about the cover. I, I cannot see the Eagles losing that game to the Packers at home in a primetime spot. Now we have the Titans coming in. Uh, Tannehill played great. Uh, if he plays great, the Titans have a chance to win that game. Uh, it's it, it can't all be Derrick Henry, although most of the time it is. But Tannehill really played well. Uh, and so maybe that's a, 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 a game that the Eagles have to watch out for. Uh, then we go at the Giants. Um, oh, all right. I, I mean, listen, there. You just killed them for eight minutes. Yeah, so there. I, who knows? There. Look, I don't see the Giants as a threat overall, but maybe they're capable of beating the Eagles once there when the Eagles are coming off two wins. I don't know. It seems to be the dynamic. I, I still don't think. I think the Eagles will be favoring that game considerably, maybe a five-point favorite at the Giants. Uh, and then you got at the Bears, uh, and Justin Fields has been nice. He's not he's not ready to win. He's like a he's like a green apple. He got hurt yesterday you too, know? I think, or a green tomato. Green you know, you have to get ripe in this league, and and he's not ripe yet. I gotta look up that Fields injury though. Yeah, he might be banged up. He might, he'll probably be back by then. And then um, it's at the Cowboys, so they they finally get to the Cowboys. So uh, here's the bottom line with the Eagles: we're, we're back to whatever uh, you know. They're a team that have sh- has shown this year that when they need to do something, they do it. And the only time that didn't apply was against the commanders. So maybe that was an aberration more than uh, – and, and and believe me, they have not been overly impressive in their last three, but they've won two of those games doing what they needed to do to win. And what they needed to do in that game was get a, a fortunate pass interference penalty, but also make a couple of great plays, the quarterback with a couple of great plays in the end, to pull them out. Uh, so everything is good now at 9-1. and one. Uh Okay, uh, we haven't talked Sixers, Darren, in a while, and it's about time we we opened the can on some Sixers talk in this podcast today. Um, so let's let's look at them. They're 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 kind of slogging along, and now they're without Maxi for a while. They're without Harden. Very few options to score, but they won anyway in, in their last game. So that showed me a little something. Um, Maxi being out with a with a fractured foot is problematic for me uh, because his quickness is really what he relies on. And when he comes back, I think it's going to be, uh, take an adjustment that when he finally gets back. Uh, the other thing that we're looking at is the rumors of Tobias Harris being traded. Uh, again, those rumors, uh, they would like to move him on for, for a guy maybe who's a better defender, maybe a better standstill shooter. 
I, I, I don't know what's going to happen on that because at the, at the end of the day, he still has a $37 million price tag. And I don't know how many teams are willing to do that to take him on. So uh, we'll see that. Now, they, they're talking about trading him like in the next couple of weeks. However, uh, the, 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 probably the better strategy would be with it to wait until after December 15th because in the NBA, after December 15th, is when free agent signees from last year can be traded. So uh, there might be a couple of disappointments and uh, teams that sign free agents that are disappointing that have a, you know, it's a high quality of player the Sixers might take a chance on. Um, so we'll have to wait and see uh, about that. Meanwhile, the Sixers have kind of been under the radar this year. Nobody really is excited about them just yet. Uh, and it's because they've been so disjointed. Uh, and, and I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I look at this team and, and we always think, when they add personnel that they finally have, uh, you know, they, they, they've dotted all their eyes and now they're ready to win. And, and I look at this team and they have not given me that feeling yet. So, um, you know, the additions of the uh, uh, Anthony Melton and house and, and these guys, they've been okay. They had, they haven't been great because they're not a great scoring team. They still don't have great scores that come off the bench. When you're relying on, you have to make, you know, George, George, bang, bang, the yank. By the way, I, I love Kate Scott. I can't, I can't hear her say bang, bang, the yang very much anymore. I, I just can't do it. I, I, I've heard it enough. You know, bang, the bang, bang, George and yang. I just, Kate, come on. I, I love you, but you know, enough with that. Uh, and, and I, for some reason, I just don't like George and yang. And I know a lot of people do because he does make three point shots. But uh, anyway, I'm I'm getting off. Simple Niang Bang would be fine, but the Bang Bang Yang. I, 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 you don't need the Bang Bang George and Yang anymore. All right, I'm just saying that. You think Steve O's rolling over in his grave when he hears that? <laughs> uh, our old pal Steve Frederick. Steve Frederick. Hey, uh, that's my line. Bang. Okay. Yeah, but this is Bang Bang. Uh, so uh, let's look at the after because you know they win the game, which is good over the Bucks and uh, and and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Gave people that were there twelve, count them, twelve free Chick Fil A chicken nuggets because he went over two three times. Right? I didn't know that that multiplied. First of all, I thought that you only got one, but apparently when you go over two every time, that's another four chicken nuggets from Chick Fil A. So they bagged twelve from Giannis now. Giannis was so upset at that. He lost, and, and he was terrible at the foul line. I forget what his numbers are, but they were horrendous. And after the game, he decides to grab a ball and go practice free throws. Yeah, I, I, a lot of athletes will do that when they've had a bad game. Now, baseball players will go in the cage after the game and, and do that. Uh, basketball players can't do that because there's no cage. So they have to go uh, right on the, on the basketball floor. And, and I don't blame the guy. He wants to get some shots out. I actually got to give him credit because as he's doing that as people are filing out. There's some people loitering, hanging around in the arena, uh, which means there's a lot of people that can hassle him. But he took the ball and he went out and he started practicing free throws. All right, so maybe Montrez Harrell could have gone down the other end. Maybe that basket had already been taken down. I don't really know what the circumstances were. But it was clear to me that Harrell, who didn't have a great game, by the way, also had a little uh, red ass, as we call it. And, and he, was, he, was trying to, he was trying to out-beef Giannis there, trying to be a tough guy. That's what I think. You know, some players do that. He's been known to do that, Montrez Harrell. So uh, he was trying to be a badass, I think, and try to bully uh, Giannis. And... You know, Giannis wasn't having it. Giannis stood there, and he eventually got another ball, but he, he wasn't going to be phased by Montrez Harrell. Now, here's the other thing that happens as, as we're going through this. The staff, the floor arena staff, <laughs> like in total defiance of Giannis shooting the basketball, they bring a ladder over. Like they're going to they're going to take their their basket down when when the when the pro player is practicing free throws, which to me is the ultimate. Uh, defiance like, come on man you couldn't wait 15 minutes listen I, I know they're workers they're on a schedule they got to get their work done you just can't go over and put a ladder there so he takes it away they put it back 
He goes over and kind of you know, knocks it that knocks it away, and then they go, "Oh man, he means business." All right, we'll let him. We'll let him shoot. I thought. I gotta be honest with you. I thought the floor workers had a lot of audacity put that ladder there. Defiance of a pro player. Try and I know people go, "Oh, he's a Milwaukee Buck. Get off our floor!" Look, come on, man. You know the, the guy wants to take some free throws. He's putting himself in harm's way with all the people that were there trying to, you know, maybe wanting to heckle him. I, I give the guy credit uh, for doing that. So uh, that that whole thing was was pretty comical to me. So I thought Harold was wrong, and I, and I thought the 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 floor workers were wrong. Uh, and if that makes me like anti Philadelphia, I apologize for that. But right's right and wrong's wrong, and I don't know why. Uh, either thing could have hap- uh, had to happen. Just let Giannis get his free throws. He'll cool down. He'll make like uh, five of six and he'll walk off the floor. And everybody goes into the night happy. Uh, all right. This is a little segment now. We're going to call Mike Unleashed. These are my opinions that, you know, offbeat opinions, little random topics. You know, last week we talked about the, the grocery store. And I, I got some feedback on that with the ass out comment. Uh, and the ass out, if you didn't join us in our last podcast, the ass out method is when you're in a grocery store aisle and you're looking at the shelves trying to decide which can of peas to buy. You get your ass out and that prevents people from going by you with their carriages. So I just wanted to remind people of the ass out technique to be a little more courteous than have the ass out. So uh, today, let's um, here, here's the things that are on my mind and uh, Mike Unleashed. I'm watching the Penn State Rutgers game last Saturday. Penn State crushes them, by the way. Come on, you Rutgers fans. You're not in that, you're not in that class. Listen, I got enough beef about Penn State not being able to, to beat Michigan and Ohio State. But, but, but please, with these, these pretenders like the Rutgers of the world in the Big Ten. But, but anyway, Penn State demolishes them. And I'm listening to the broadcast, and the broadcasters, I even forget who they were, but they were lauding. Oh, it was the Big Ten Network. Uh, they were lauding this Rutgers punter. His name is Adam uh, Corsack, and he's from Australia, and he's been their punter for the last several years. And in the game, he set an NCAA record for 337 punts for his career. That's the most punts of anybody in NCAA history. And I'm going, wait, is that a record? What the hell is that? That's the most meaningless record I've ever heard. Wait, if you've punted 337 times in your life, that means your program sucks. Hey, you're on the field all the time. What what kind of a record? That that record shouldn't even be listed, much less people on the broadcast talking about it. Look at Adam Horshack. They love him there at Rutgers. You got to be kidding me. A punter? That's over 100 punts a season. Seriously, that's (laughs) supposed to be a record? If you punted, if you have a record like, Yards per punt, and you break the NCAA record. Oh, I got a record. Number of punts is actually you're, you're trying to conv- right most punts inside the twenty. Great, really. They're going to try to convince me on a broadcast that this is a noteworthy record. Yo, mate. Hey, you know, if you want to go back to Australia and 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 you know take take your your trophy punny punt uh, your punting trophy back to. Come on, man. Maybe. I don't know if anybody picked up on that, but I did because that's the type of guy I am, and this is Mike Unleashed. All right, number two. All right, so um, my girlfriend stops over the house every now and then, right? And it's funny how women and men do things differently. And what I'm talking about with Mike Unleashed here is how you replace the toilet paper in your bathroom. So, Darren, let me, let me, let me, ask, let me ask you. Uh, I happen to be an, an over. She's an under. And when you put the roll back on, are you an over-the-top or an underneath roller? Absolutely over. Over comes towards you (laughs) because if it's the other way, if it's under, it goes backwards, and it's a pain in the ass to tear the toilet paper off sometimes. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's really funny because I've mentioned it to her. You know, uh, I'm an over. And, you know, I come in this bathroom now, and all of a sudden it's an under. Uh, and she goes, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, I'll, uh, yeah. and and every, and and by habit, she puts it on it as an under all the time. And it's funny how you get used to doing certain things. Like to me, there's never been a there's never been a question on how you replace 
uh, a toilet paper roll. It's always an over-the-top replacement. So I'm curious to know whether people, it's, it's that the majority view or is that the minority view? I, I've, I've been married, Marie and I have been married for 16, 17 years now. And we lived together for like five years before that. And I, that was like one of the first things. I had such a pet peeve of mine. I had to like train her. Like, look, we're going to live together. There's a few things that have to take place. And this has to change. Yeah, listen, it. it <laughs> In the uh, in the overall scope of things, it's it's really not bi- that big of a deal, right? So, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. I, no, it's not a big deal, but oh, it's, okay. it's one of those little things that, like, but but here's the thing that is a big deal. Um, you know, uh, when you live with uh, people uh, over the years, uh, and I have to go back to my college years for this. Um, I lived with uh, five roommates once in a townhouse at Penn State. And so there were bathrooms that were shared. And um, here's the thing I, I have found about dudes in general. Dudes loathe replacing the toilet paper roll. So, th- in other words, they would they would rather leave one sheet of toilet paper on the roll than replace the roll. Or they will strip the roll completely bare but not replace it. Have you noticed this about guys? I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with things like that. Like I can't <laughs> stand refilling the cur- the water in the Keurig coffee maker. <laughs> and my wife never does it. Ever. <laughs> uh, oh, she's going to kill me for this. If women are listening to this podcast, they will know. Yeah. They, they will they will know it's true if women are listening they'll go yeah my husband never replaces the damn toilet paper he'd rather leave one sheet so he gets off the hook and uh, i think that's indigenous to men it's one of the differences between men and women all right that's uh number uh, two number number three uh i got into a discussion the the other day about uh, uh tv shows because i had mentioned a reference uh, in the wire, I forget what the reference was in, in the wire, but I put a tweet out there about the wire, and uh, it got into a discussion on what the best shows of all time were. So I, I will tell you flat out that there's nobody that convinced me nor make an argument that would top my argument that the top two shows of all time are The Wire number one by a large margin, and The Sopranos number two. Uh, and 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 nobody can dispute that. And if you dispute that, you haven't really watched The Wire. So uh, I just want to make that kind of statement. It, it, you, whatever you want to fill in in your top five is fine by me. But it's Wire Sopranos one two for all time currently. And whatever you want three four five is up to you. Now some people put Narcos in there, some people put Breaking Bad in there, a lot of a lot of sentiment for Better Call Saul. I happen to think Succession is a definite top 5 show of all time. Uh, some people say Justified. This guy tried to tweet me and say uh, The Shield. I right, listen. The Shield was all right. I uh, here here was the I I, I re- uh, recall in my brain what I said about The Wire. It had to do with Nancy Pelosi resigning. Now, if you uh, know anything about Nancy Pelosi, she is from Baltimore. And uh, there was a political angle in The Wire where um, Tommy Carcetti won mayor over uh, uh, Glenn Turman, who who was the the previous mayor, and Carcetti pulled an upset. The mayor before Glenn Turman in that show uh, was an Italian guy uh, named Tommy D'Alessandro. Or, or, or some or words to that effect. He became Carcetti's advisor. Well, uh, Nancy Pelosi grew up in Baltimore, the daughter of a Baltimore mayor named Tommy D'Alessandro. So if you remember that angle of it, uh, Teresa D'Agostino, who was the campaign manager for Carcetti, technically was the Nancy Pelosi character. So there was the connection in Nancy Pelosi and The Wire for people that are interested. All right, so so there you go. Uh, all right, um, let me uh, now, uh, Mike Unleashed, talk a little bit uh, politically uh, because this woman seems to uh, really get on my last nerves. And um, uh, I want to read her quote uh, directly. And I'm talking about Lauren Boebert, who 
there's going to be a recount on this, but she pretty much won the election uh, in her representative district in Colorado. If you know anything about Lauren Boebert, uh, she was a bartender who uh, likes to make uh, a lot of noise about gun rights and carries a gun. She, she's strapped all the time, all that, that whole thing. Uh, so this um, uh, tragic news uh, came, came out of uh, Colorado Springs, where uh, another gunman went into a, a, a gay uh, establishment, a gay club, uh, LGBTQ, and, uh, and killed people. And, and Lauren Boebert tweets the following. The news out of Colorado Springs is absolutely awful. This morning, the victims and their families are in my prayers. This lawless violence needs to end and end quickly. Now, now let me get this straight. First of all, the balls on this on this creep. All right. Because this is a woman for two years has been fanning the flames of MAGA hatred for other cultures while she's flaunting uh, her, her, her guns and and. Uh, in in, in uh, opposition to, to meaningless gun control, and she she being seen being strapped going around Washington D.C., she's spitting in the face basically uh, of people who want reform, and yet she she tweets this as if she's a concerned citizen. She she is a despicable piece of pocket lint. Okay, that's what I'll say about Lauren Boebert. And I wish God, I wished. That, that she could go back to her bar and serve margaritas and get out of my face. But she's in my face, and I can't stand it. So I, I had to just say that as my political comment of the week. I know there, there are people out there, oh, here he goes on his lips. Come on, man. It, it, I, I, this is a woman who has been against gay rights, who has been in favor of, of anybody with a, with a brain being strapped with a gun, and she's going to now... Uh, say it's horrible what happened in, in Colorado, uh, save me. Uh, all right, number four. Uh, big announcement for me, and I, I released it last week on Twitter. I am now the, uh, this has always been a dream of mine. I talked about wine a lot on my radio show. It's always been my dream. I've actually had three dreams, right? One, because of the way I grew up. But we I grew up basically with nothing. I grew up as a very average uh, blue collar background and my parents didn't have any money. They weren't college educated. Uh, I used to envy friends that had, uh, that played golf, right? I used to also envy friends that had a place that the shore to go to. Cause we never had that. We, we went one week every year to the same hotel in Wildwood, New Jersey, right? You get used to t- t- eternal sameness and, and you get like envious of friends who had access to shore houses. So, uh, I, I wanted to be a member of a golf club. Uh, I wanted to have a house to the shore. And the third thing I wanted to do as I got a little older in adulthood was to own a winery. I love the whole concept of winery. I've been to Napa, I've been to Virginia, toward these little boutique wineries. It's a charming existence. It's really a relaxing existence. And so I always kind of wanted to be involved in that. And, and I've tinkered with the idea for years. So finally, a dream came true for me where I was able, uh, thanks to, to a great owner down there, to uh, be, become a part owner of a winery near Cape May, New Jersey. It's actually Cape May Courthouse is the town. It's called Natali Vineyards. And uh, it, it's a great place to, to hang out. You can, we can have events there with weddings. It's got a, a great tasting room. We're making some damn good wines. And, and we're going to have uh, events there. And uh, I'm just uh, excited to, to be a part of it. So uh, let me, uh, it, it's really, it's about an hour or so from Philadelphia, from either bridge. You can get there. Uh, in about an hour. So uh, if you want to make a weekend trip or a weekday trip, uh, if you're headed down the shore when we get the, the good weather and you're headed down the shore, a good stopover. Or if you're down the shore, it's a good road trip. And, and I'm really excited about it. Again, it's Natalie Vineyards. And you can look up the website, Natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I, vineyards.com. It's the Mike Nussanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right. So again, go to my website, MikeMiss.com, and uh, you'll find uh, a story on uh, my involvement with the winery and the wines we feature with a description of each one and how you can, you can get them. And you can obviously get them shipped to you uh, uh, and go by going online to NataliVineyards.com and choose the wine that you think is perfect for you. We're making some good wines. We have a great vintner down there. His name's Tim Job, and he's doing a marvelous job. Uh, and we have a really good crop. 
uh, of grapes. And the area that the winery is in is an American agricultural area designated as a wine growing area. So uh, good soil, good conditions, and we're ready to rock and roll down there. And uh, so while I'm at it, let me tell you what's happening there on Saturday. This Saturday, this uh, November 25th, we have music and food. We have uh, food trucks that will be on site. We have a musician named Dan Barry playing live music, and we are discounting wine uh, starting on uh, Black Friday. Uh, so from November 25th to November 27th, Friday through Sunday, if you buy 6 to 11 bottles, you'll get 10% off the purchase price. And if you're buying a case of 12 or more, you're going to get 20% off. And we're also working on uh, free shipping for Cyber Monday. So stay tuned for that. I'll update you later in the week. And every Thursday in December, if you want to take a day trip down to Natalie Vineyards, just uh, you know, look at look online and find the directions. Very easy to get to off Delcy Drive uh, is, is where you, you just take that all the way down. Every Thursday in December, 30% off a select wine for an in-store purchase only. So we go to our wine tasting room, 30% off a select wine, uh, and you'll, you'll like the tasting room. Very cozy. And uh, we have a lot of plans uh, for it. We have plans for a lot of outdoor events. And again, it's a play. You're thinking about getting a, a, how about an outdoor wedding for the spring? Great place. I'm telling you, we got a lot of land. We got a big gazebo and uh, be a charming place for a smaller uh, type of wedding. Again, Natalie Vineyards, and I'm really uh, uh, proud to be involved with it. Uh, Okay, so let's close it down for today. Uh, A reminder uh, that this podcast is brought to us by Bet Rivers, the great people at Bet Rivers. So download that Bet Rivers app. I have it, and I love it. And I made uh, a lot of bets uh, this weekend. Some good, some bad. I'll update you on our next podcast, which we will do Wednesday. Uh, But the live betting is fantastic. Like, for instance, I was watching the Michigan-Illinois game, and Illinois got them knocked. It looked like uh, Illinois is going to win the game. So I go on the Bet Rivers app, and I see the live odds. Michigan is getting three. And I go, well, you know what? Michigan's coming back to win this game. So I'm going to take the money line. And sure enough, they score a touchdown uh, or get a field goal to win the game by a point. So li- that live action betting is, is awesome where you can read something and, and, and cash in on that. Uh, also, um, uh, get in touch with me because we're, what we're going to plan to do on this podcast is get fans on. So uh, when you email me, email me why you think you deserve to be on this podcast. And we're going to do a little a segment called uh, the fan reaction where uh, we'll actually have a fan on. We'll send you a link. You can come on the podcast live and we'll, uh, we'll debate back and forth because I kind of miss the interaction with the callers. So uh, we're going to do that. So just email me, Mike at MikeMiss.com and tell me why you're worthy to be on the Mike Miss and Ellie podcast. Also, you can reach me on Twitter again. My Twitter handle is MikeMiss25. Uh, and uh, the email, of course, Mike at MikeMiss.com. Uh, Wednesday, we will do a podcast prior to Thanksgiving, and we're going to have as a special guest the guy I just read a biography on Charles Barkley. He's a reporter for the Washington Post. His name is Tim Bella. It's a it's a 500-plus page autobiography on Charles Barkley. It is absolutely fascinating to read about his upbringing, some things that I've been friends with Charles for a long time, a lot of things I did not know about his upbringing, and I'm actually in the book. So he talked to me. So my views on Charles are also in the book. Uh, we'll have uh, Tim Bella on. The autobiography is called Barkley. So it's as uh, simple as that. And uh, it's a great book. So this is three questions from Darren. We're going to do this every podcast where Darren DeGatano, uh, my producer out there, the man, the voice in the wilderness, gives me three offbeat questions, which I have not heard of yet. So go ahead, Darren. What do you got? Yeah, just, you know. Maybe we can want to get into the mind of Miss Sinelli. Three quick questions. Some are offbeat. Some are, you know, maybe a little bit of informative here. Hey, you're talking about wine. What's a great thing to, to pair with wine? But pizza. Mike, two toppings for pizza. What are they? You can only put two toppings on pizza. I get them all at the same, same all the time. Sausage mushrooms. Sausage mushrooms. Bang. That's all I do. I don't mess around with peppers or onions or olives, all these fugazi toppings. Sausage, mushrooms, bang. Love mushrooms. Sausage, too. Love mushrooms on pizza. All right. Question number two, Mike. You thought about this all the time as a kid, I'm sure. If you could be a phenom at any position in all of sports, what would it be? A position, huh? If I if I could be a phenom, I, I would be a phenom golfer. But uh, if you're talking about a position, 
Uh, I would love to be a, a phenom starting pitcher. Any position in all of sports, you are a phenom. Starting pitcher that throws 98 to 100 and is that phenomenal prospect. What's that? And has a curve that falls off the table. Yeah, like one of those those phenomenal pitchers uh, I, I would love to be. A quarterback, yeah, yeah but uh, – you know, quarterback. It's 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 such a difficult position that uh, you know. I don't know even if you're a phenom whether that would translate to, to the NFL. But I know that if you, you yeah, all right. Well, yeah, listen, you're a phenom, so it doesn't matter how difficult the position is. You're a phenom. My thinking is you don't you want the one with it's going to cause less injury in the end. Well, the, the, the guy would cause less injury with a power hitting outfielder. So. Uh, either I'd be a, a phenom as a power hitting outfielder, a phenom as a starting pitcher, a phenom as a golfer, a phenom as a quarterback, uh, and that's about it. Only one. Give me one. Give me one. Uh, all right, I'll go starting pitcher. Starting pitcher. All right. Question number three. Yeah, yeah, here's the reason. You're starting right. pitcher. You you frighten people when they co- you come into the batter's box. You got that guy scared to death. Like you, like I'm going to dust your ass. And here we go. And that's, that's, that's a power, man. Because the pitcher always has the power. It's an intimidating position. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's very intimidating to be a power starting pitcher. All right, Mike. I don't know if you saw this yesterday. For the second time this season, the Cincinnati Bengals played in their third alternate uniform, including uh, the helmet. It is a really clean look. I fell in love with it. It's all white. The, hel- the helmet is white with the black tiger stripes instead of their typical orange. The jersey is all white with black numbers and letters. The pants are white with the black stripes down the side. Really clean look. I loved it. So what is your favorite NFL uniform? Uh, I, I, I tell you the truth. I I, uh, I think the Rams are pretty spectacular. The new ones? Uh, yeah, I love that burst of color on the Rams. Uh, when they when they first came out, uh, I, I thought that they were special. So I I, w- I would go with the Rams. Now it turns out maybe that's a jinx for this year, but I, I would definitely go with the Rams. But I do like the alternative uniforms every now and then that they pop out. I like that blue a lot. That current Rams blue. That's just a real that royal blue. Yep. It really does pop. It pops, as they say in the fashion world. <laughs> there you go. That's three questions with Mikey Miss. All right. Thanks uh, very much again. Mike Miss 25 on the Twitter, Mike at MikeMiss.com on the email. Get in touch with me. We are taking auditions for a fan to come on this podcast and talk sports with me. So, uh, everybody, have a great rest of the Monday. We'll be back at you Wednesday with Tim Bella, the author of Barkley, among other stuff. Be good. It's Mike Miss. I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Mike Miss and Ellie podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.